This is Mindset for Success with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen. Nisa Moles is a partner at Grasshopper Capital, investing in fintech, blockchain, and has been an early-stage investor for the past decade at Scout Ventures. She was named one of Business Insider's Women VCs to Watch and Top 100 Women in Fintech and Top 50 Global Blockchain Thinkers. She's a securities lawyer with an MBA and is on the board of several institutions, including Wharton Entrepreneurship and Girls Who Invest. She contributes for Ford's, Forbes and hosts Coin Scrum Markets. Prior to investing, she was an entrepreneur. She also has authored the successful and thought-provoking book, WTF is Happening, Women Tech Founders on the Rise. It's a pleasure to have you, Nisa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Nisa, as you know, it takes a lot to be a successful female entrepreneur. And while business acumen is key, we rarely talk about the psychological challenges that women often face to achieve that success. I refer to those as those negative and sometimes persistent thoughts that create doubt and can undermine success and can destroy self-confidence and risk-taking. Um, I want to just start a little bit today with asking you to tell us about your entrepreneur journey what pushed you to become an entrepreneur 11 years ago? I know you had two small kids and had finished a long career with uh, as a securities attorney and then for NBC spinoff. Tell me a little bit about why and when you became an entrepreneur. Sure. So I was actually, um, I practiced law for a very short amount of time. Most of that time, as you said, I was... Um, at NBC Universal, which became IAC, and also did a stint at AOL, AOL Time Warner. Mm -hmm. uh, back then, I was involved with movie production and television and product placement and marketing and promotion, and uh, often in Los Angeles. And um, because of my two small kids, I, I wasn't able to move to Los Angeles, and I decided that the only way to make it in that business was to be there. And so it was time to leave corporate America, uh, figure out what I was going to do, and uh, stumbled across another woman who had left a hedge fund who wanted to start um, a company. And that's exactly how it happened. So um, ended up founding a beauty skincare company at, with her and then um, hired people who were uh, experts in that field to replace ourselves. And so right around that time, I started investing in other entrepreneurs because um, once I had done it once. I wanted to help other women. Mm -hmm. And so I started as a generalist, really just investing in 
businesses that I knew or could help, whether that be legal tech or, or media or beauty, um, and then slowly started to migrate towards investing just in technology, disruptive technology, mm -hmm. uh, which led to fintech. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you, I imagine that there was some risk to go out on your own after um, working that all time from the NBS spinoff. And I wonder if there was some risk and if you had that, what did you, how did you manage it? The risk really was losing money uh, in investing, which I was prepared to do to be able mm -hmm. to learn. And so, yeah, that, that was, um, I do, I do feel that if you don't do it, you're, it's the cost of learning. Uh, it was like almost like going to school and getting a different degree, except it was an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. uh, so I set aside a certain amount that I thought uh, I could lose that I wouldn't mind losing mm -hmm. and it wouldn't hurt my family. So mm -hmm. and that's that's how I started. Um, mm -hmm. Then I, I joined a professional angel group and started surrounding myself with other people who were now doing this full time. Um, and that made it more, gave it more structure and made it more like, like a job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which made it probably easier too, because of yes. the structure, you kind of knew what to expect. And then you, you knew what you were prepared to lose. And so it was easy to kind of work through the the business part of it because you weren't so overwhelmed with basic, I don't know, needs or thinking about it. Right, exactly. Would you consider yourself, um, would you consider helping women entrepreneurs get funded a personal value of yours? And if so, where does that come from? Most definitely, uh, which is why I wrote the book. So when I was in corporate America, or even when I was a practicing lawyer, I really didn't see, I saw some disparity uh, and bias against women, but I didn't really realize the full extent of it until I was in venture capital. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw literally just, just female entrepreneurs with great businesses not being mm -hmm. able to raise any money. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then the data came out and, you know, it was 2%, right? Mm -hmm. And it's been at 2% for as long as I can remember. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe it, it hit an, a high last year of 2.7%. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, and then dropped back down. So I'm thinking, well, why? You know, what's wrong with this picture? Women are starting businesses at the fastest rate. Mm -hmm. And uh, why aren't they getting the funding? Um, and then going into the research of it, um, you know, the the sourcing, the bias, the questions that get asked of female entrepreneurs versus male entrepreneurs, uh, leading to disparities in funding, and this all um, seemed very unfair. Mm-hmm. 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 And it was something that came to you as you were doing um, funding for entrepreneurs or you, you had thought about it kind of a little bit beforehand as you were working as securities lawyer or then in entertainment? 
I thought about it a little before, but there were um, senior women in those fields, right? Mm. There were women partners at the law firms and there were senior women in entertainment. Mm -hmm. It was only when you got to tech and um, venture that there there weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when I really- So it stood out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Are you someone who hasn't always fit in? And if so, was this ever difficult for you? Uh, yes, I would say it's always been difficult. Uh, I, I'm not uh, easily put into a stereotype. Um, you know, I'm I'm still working in a very male-dominated uh, field. <laughs> right, for sure. Um, after all these years, I'm still fighting a battle, and um, that you know makes people question why. Why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you know why? I just think it's a greater mission. Uh, I don't, I just think that for future generations, we have to change this dynamic and it is just wrong Um, Mm -hmm. because female founders outperform, female investors outperform and nobody wants to buy that data or, you know, I won't say nobody, but it's been extremely slow in terms of changing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So you stay in it because it's important to you to be able to have some influence over the change. Right. Um, is it on the difficult days, the fight, the slogging through, is there any ever an idea about taking an easier route in your career or you've just sort of come to this place where this is what feels right to you and you'll do what it takes? It's a great question. And if I could find another route at this point, I might, Mm -hmm. because you get battle weary. Yeah, Uh, for sure. And I've met so many older women along the way who've just defected from the the army Mm -hmm. um, because they didn't get anywhere. They, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, you know, I think. Now we have uh, women at the highest levels in government. We have mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Um, we have, you know, in all these other areas. But finance and, and tax seems to remain the, the last bastion um, where we don't have equality. So what's made you not defect? I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you consider yourself someone who thinks outside the box? Even breaks the rules at times? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I think I focus too much on on, uh, the future, which is kind of my job, is to invest in companies that will be Mm -hmm. big in the future. But I... I see the future and I see the wealth creation opportunity uh, that technology provides. And I see men taking advantage of that again. Mm -hmm. And um, 
so yeah so that's i guess that just keeps me going and when the road is difficult what do you do to get the support that you need to kind of go out there the next day and slog through it yeah um take a take a walk run talk to uh another woman who who's a peer um talk mm-hmm. to some male allies things like that mm-hmm. 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 you talked about how your inner critic can sometimes make you believe that people underestimate you can you explain this a little bit to our listeners and how you've uh, overcome this? So I think I don't look the part of a female investor or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. always just assume that I'm in fashion or, or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or that I invest in fashion or whatever it is. And um, so the, so they're always surprised when I tell them what I'm doing. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a common thing that still happens. And when you feel like it happens, what do you do for yourself to sort of be able to push through and give your best foot forward? Well, I've accumulated, I, I've accumulated, hopefully, a lot of knowledge along the way. Mm-hmm. And so I educate them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is sort of part and parcel of what the um, objective of your book was. Right. Um, well, the objective of the book also was to get more investors investing in women by mm-hmm. making the business case for investing in an undervalued and undershopped asset class that overdelivers really classic arbitrage. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not about that moral imperative argument that you hear so often. It's about, this is just a way to, a way to get alpha. Why are you not mm-hmm. looking here? Mm-hmm. 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 Do you feel like you've seen this change over the years you've been involved with um, helping entrepreneurs get funded? Um, the statistics are that women are now, if they have a male partner, they, they maybe get, you know, up to 10% of the funding, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, but no, actually, no, it's, it's pretty much dropped during the pandemic. Right. So I haven't seen it really materially change. Mm -hmm. For some women, it can be difficult to ask for what they believe they deserve financially. Would you have any advice to give to women on how to ask for what they deserve? Yeah, I have a friend who always talks about this and she says, ask for the amount that would make you laugh out loud and then just go slightly below that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And how do you know where to go? How do you know how to, do the amount that makes you laugh out loud? Is it the unthinkable or it's your wish yeah. or you've done research and so you know you're in the ballpark? Right. All of those. All of those. And um, to women who are looking for funding, what can you what can you suggest to them in terms of presenting themselves 
for consideration. Yeah, this is one of my pet peeves because it always comes back to when when people talk about this, they always come back to, well, the woman lacks confidence or the woman doesn't present the same way as a man or, you know, all these things. Uh, the woman needs to change. Mm-hmm. That, that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just right. the system. Yeah. The system is stacked against women, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what the book talks about. Mm-hmm. It is, um, right, the women are doing a great job. And even though they might have some confidence gap, you know, that gap is closing at mm-hmm. least. And so it's really now a systemic change that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Why do you say that the gap is closing in terms of women's self-confidence? How do you see that occurring? Just because of all of the advances, like I said before, in you can't see it. You can't be it if you can't see it. So mm-hmm. the governments and, and women at senior levels more than ever before, women on boards. Um, I, you know, I think that the younger generations really feel like they can get there. Whereas the older generations maybe operated more from a viewpoint of scarcity, that there was only one seat at the table. So they weren't going to help other women long mm-hmm. because it would be at their expense. Now the table's expanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it feels less competitive in some ways, more hopefully, collaborative. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully women yeah. are helping other women. Mm-hmm. You describe how being an investor in women entrepreneurs is a learner's paradise. What do you, can you tell us a little bit about what you mean about that? Uh, I think I was describing investing in blockchain as a learner's paradise. Um, So yes, that is um, the revolution that is happening in our financial systems, as well as the use of that technology in so many other sectors healthcare, governance, climate change, identity, land use rights, supply chains. Uh, There is so much happening in that sector. And I've been in it for, I don't know, the past four or five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Decentralized finance. And that in and of itself is hard to keep up with. Um, Mm -hmm. they're, They're literally this new technology is allowing instruments to be formed, traded, settled, custodied um, in so many new ways that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you, um, it's a Cambrian explosion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that makes it a learner's paradise. Mm -hmm. You talk a lot about um, sort of looking at the, you know, the differences in what women obviously take in terms of um, funding for their businesses versus men. I'm, I imagine you've done a lot of negotiations also with men and, and can kind of see what are some of the differences, what are some of the um, experiences that women have that they can do well in negotiations, just sort of to talk a little bit about um, good negotiation skills as a woman at a table of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know that uh, I've seen any gender differences there, negotiations. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just, um, as, as you well know, a psychological game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, one that you just get better with over time, just from mm -hmm. practicing. And speaking to the psychological, which of course, yes, is something that, that I'm interested in. What is the psychological, um, if there was something you could say to our listeners today, in terms of negotiation, not getting sort of stuck in, maybe I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough, what could you sort of say to them towards that um, psychological struggle? Well, um, self-talk, you know, tell yourself the opposite of what you're thinking. Um, mm -hmm. Read Getting to Yes. Mm -hmm. It's an old book, but it's still a mm -hmm. good and don't be afraid to walk away. Great, great things to say. Uh, how has your upbringing made it harder or easier for you to master a mindset of success? Well, I come from um, a family that were survivors mm -hmm. and uh, raised on fear. Mm -hmm. So that made it very difficult. Um, but, but always having to, you know, push yourself um, to achieve the next thing, to, to outrun uh, whatever might be coming for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't know that that's made it, uh, you know, that, that that got me to where I am now, uh, maybe. But maybe it helps you stay in the fight, though, by the way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, because there's a sense that you're used to what it takes to work through, I don't know, whatever's coming towards you. Right. And and just never give up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that mentality. Um, what do you think having good founder DNA is? Grit, in a word. Speaking of not giving up. <laughs> right. That's good, you know, because it's really lonely and hard to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things will fail and your business will pivot. Mm -hmm. And if you quit, then, right, like, that's, I've seen that happen, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen entrepreneurs just walk away. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really it's really resilience mm -hmm. and, and determination and passion. I, I find that like it's not passion for making a lot of money. It's passion for a purpose that's bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you. All really interesting, um, helpful uh, thoughts for our listeners. Um, I want to thank you for. Um, sharing with our listeners today your motivation for why you chose to be a female entrepreneur and also how you overcame some of the obstacles that you've encountered during your journey. Where can people reach out to learn more about you? Uh, LinkedIn or Twitter um, at Amoyles Nisa. Okay, great. Thank you again very much. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me.
This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital DIY startup platform for women. For more information on her guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. We believe in open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about the hidden psychological difficulties experienced by many successful entrepreneurs and highlighting the strategies used to overcome them, such as the fear of failure, of not being good enough, and that loud, chattering internal critic is critical to helping other founders achieve success. Please join her next week for more Mindset for Success stories. That was Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop her a line at dr.lesliekanudsen at dr.lesliekanudsen.com.